And now let's try and tune in to No Good Music from an undisclosed location somewhere in New Jersey. She don't give a crap about her bad reputation. He can't smile too much, right? Because he's trying to play saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a guy with a deep voice every once in a while going, yeah. <laughs> that was his only job. And I was parking. I look up on a marquee and there's my name. He looked like he was out of a horror movie and he was he was thinking of something devious. I'm a rock and roll guy. This is Rob and Jeremy, and we are here with show 55, and this is kind of a continuation of the last podcast, but on this one, we're going to be talking about our top 10 albums that we liked uh, from last year. We have some other stuff, too. Uh, we have new music books that have either... I think come out last year or are coming out. We also have the top 10 selling vinyl of last year, which some in there might surprise you. And we will also compare the top 10 list from Paste Magazine, which we got our (laughs) our three random albums from, if you listened to the last podcast. And... Uh, we Pitchfork and Rolling Stone. So we'll compare their all their top ten lists to each other. First, we're going to try a, another beer. And this wow. is the same brewery uh, from the last podcast, Jack's Abbey, uh, Farmington, Massachusetts. This is called Post Shift. We should be listening to some Post Malone. <laughs> this would pair up with Post Malone. There you go. Bavarian-style Pilsner. Oh, and Jeremy, um, did you watch any New Year's Eve festivities on TV? Yes. Okay. Did you see Post Malone? No. <laughs> Someone's commented that it was laundry day. <laughs> he was wearing shorts. I'm sure it was California. Uh-huh. And a jersey. Okay. And I don't know. And it, Oh, and a, like a Gilligan's Island, like a Gilligan hat. Nice. Like, I forget what you, they call it. Sounds about right. You know, like one of those, what do they call those hats? Uh, Fisherman hat? Yeah, or? something like that. Yeah. We uh, we watched, it was like the live from Nashville or something. Oh. Because we don't have cable, so it was whatever oh, okay. was streaming. <laughs> live. <laughs> and we're wondering. Some local access channel in yeah. Nashville. And we're like, hmm, are we going to actually see the ball fall at midnight yeah. or are we going to have to wait till 1 a.m.? Because they were in Central Time. Yeah. You think Billy, that Billy Bob Briggs or whatever would do a... A New Year's Eve thing, you know. Yeah, I actually wonder. He does, yeah. Was he on there? They had a bunch of different country <laughs> uh, artists on there performing. Well, no, that's the movie guy. There's a movie guy that does, like, drive-in something. Oh, okay. And he, it, it's sort of like Svengoli, 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 um, where he plays, I guess, old movies. Mm-hmm. I just know about it. I don't... Gotcha. I had to laugh, though, because I heard at midnight, <clears throat> Leonard Skinner was playing Sweet Home Alabama. 
Really? Yeah. But then eventually I heard Freebird and I'm like, wow, somebody like it must be a Leonard Skinner kick. And everybody's like, Leonard Skinner is performing on the TV. I was like, oh, my bad. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where were you? You, we were playing you? board games, so oh, it was okay. like it was kind of yeah. in the background. And oh, okay. I wasn't yeah. paying attention. But I was just like, yeah. I heard Sweet Home Alabama, now mm-hmm. I'm hearing Freebird. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Lo and behold, Leonard Skinner was actually performing at a concert. <laughs> I watched a little bit of Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen, who last year CNN banned them from drinking alcohol because Andy Cohen, first of all, Anderson Cooper doesn't drink. Right. So can you imagine someone that just starts drinking? You're on the air. So by 11 o'clock, each hour starting at 8, they did a shot of tequila. So even though it had been three hours, Anderson Cooper on three shots over three hours was kind of loopy. I believe it. Where he was just laughing. And he has a weird laugh, too. And what set him off was they were talking uh, via, I don't know if it was Zoom or whatever, but it was... It was remotely with John Mayer, who was at a cat bar in Japan. A cat, like, there's like 20 cats in this bar, walking on the bar. He's feeding them out of a tube, which I fed my cat, this paste, while he's talking to them. Okay. And it's the freaking funniest. It's on YouTube. So our listener, if you haven't seen John Mayer and Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen, oh my God. It goes on for like a half an hour at least. <laughs> and he's feeding the cat butts are in the camera and Anderson Cooper has to go off camera because he's laughing. He's, he's like, <laughs> that's the way he laughs. It's, yeah. it, oh my God. Okay. So um, we're going to try this beer. Post Malone shift. Post you shift. Know, you know, interesting thing about Post Malone. The person. Oh, okay. And the music that comes from that person are not two things that I would ever put together, if that makes any sense. He does not look like what I would envision yeah. his voice to sound like. I like Post like. Malone because I, when I first heard of him, I assumed he was a, a rapper. Yeah. And then I heard some songs. Actually, what, what got me into him was his Nirvana thing, mm-hmm. where he did a whole thing. Uh, this was during uh, COVID. And I don't know if I watched it live or if I watched it after, but he was just doing, he had a band with him. Yeah. And he was singing Nirvana songs. I like his new song, Chemical. I like a lot of his music. Yeah. I just, I was blown away to hear his voice and then see what he actually looks like. And he's such a, I think he's such a good person. I've never met him, but uh, he's given people, he gave some girl, I think little girl his guitar. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's giving people his shoes. <laughs> so. Okay, so we're going to start with new music books. You know, if anyone has time to read, <laughs> I try and find some time. Reading Stephen King, Holly right now. Taking me a while, but I have a whole stack of books now. And I need to not buy anymore. Yeah. I think I found the... I don't remember. It was a Beatles book. It was a book on the Beatles. I don't even know what it, but I'm like, I can't buy any more books. <laughs> I'm not going to get to them. So this book came out December 19th last year, and it's about the Fender guitar. Oh, okay. Which I own, a Fender Telecaster, and this is the official illustrated history 
by Dave Hunter. And this is $35 book. The description is celebrate the legacy. I'm sorry. Celebrate the celebrate the legendary guitars and amps of Fender with this with this authoritatively written, lavishly illustrated, and officially licensed history of the company and the culture. It and the I can't talk right. The culture. I didn't even take a drink of my beer yet. <laughs> and the culture it inspired. <laughs> Illustrated throughout with rare images from company archives, Fender, the official illustrated history treats readers to rare behind-the-scenes views of the shop floor throughout the years, studio imagery of the guitars, rare period advertising and brochures, and performance images of Fender players. You know, Martin Guitar should. Maybe they put out a book. Yeah. Too. They should. First beer was better. Oh, I'm going to taste this beer. Looks like, looks like someone peed in my glass. Pretty much kind of tastes that way too it's a pilsner that's the thing some of these beers certain uh like lagers and certain types of beers you really can't they all s- taste similar yeah ipas beers where you can add you know that one beer i gave you i should ask it was a strawberry short oh it was so good <laughs> that was so good that was gone that night by the way we were playing board games. I drank I, that. It didn't last long. Yeah, it's like a milkshake. <laughs> yes, it was. It was probably like a milkshake beer, which you just want to like, if you're thirsty, you're just going to... I could have gotten in trouble. it was a 16-ouncer. Could have yeah. gotten in trouble drinking those. Yeah. I'm glad you only gave me one, because <laughs> I could have downed yeah. 10 of them. <laughs> I did find um, one of my favorites from this the local brewery that... Uh, we frequent well matt and i do i don't think Jer- i don't think you've, you've taken been there me yet. oh okay the Butts- one- yeah Buttsville. they have a snickerdoodle oh that sounds good and if jeremy uh is not drinking too much before he goes home he can or maybe have a little sip of it when when matt and i went last time it was it was on i forget what they call it, on board which means it's still brewing mm-hmm. they're still in the vats or whatever so I didn't get to try it this year, but then I went to the beer store down the street and they they sell the cans from the brewery. So I was able to get four pack of that. So. Okay, cool. So let's continue. We've got January 9th. I don't even know what today is. January 4th, I think. 5th. 5th. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. So when you hear this, it, you know, we're recording ahead of time, but January 9th, uh, the podcast to be out by then. You can go by. It will. No, the podcast. Yeah, it'll be. It'll be out after January 9th. Oh yeah, yeah. Not God. before. God. <laughs> so Sorry. you'll be able to go out and buy this book, Boy George. Oh. Karma, my autobiography, and I've been seeing advertising for this. So have I. I like think crazy. signed ones too. Yeah. I'm not. I don't know. Like I said, I right now I have a lot of books to read, so it it has to be. You know, Jeremy and I still have to read Peter Frampton. Yep. And I don't know if you have the Dave Grohl book. I don't, but I'd like to get one. Okay. I'd like to read that or listen to it on audiobook, something. So, you know, I have, I have a couple of music books that are, you know, waiting. <laughs> I want to, you know, read or listen to the Getty Lee book. I had mentioned that to you earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I like to read. I, I had that on my list. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Well, I had that, um, no, I had that not on my list, but I had that uh, on my Amazon wish list. Mm. 
but but I like to go off the list too because you want a surprise. Yep. So I also had the Pink Floyd. I forget what the Pink Floyd book is. I think it's just an autobiography or a biography on Pink Floyd. Okay. And then um, there's a cheap trick. I think it just goes through album by album. Uh, it's not really a biography. Okay. So I I just got those two, but I had Getty Lee on there. Yeah. Anyway, so okay, so this one is thirty nine ninety nine, at least on Amazon. It's the official story of a musical icon told in full, told in full for the first time in his own words. Nothing short of an amazing story. Karma is the long anticipated celebrity memoir from Boy George. The memoir delivers a searingly honest and captivating account of his extraordinary life. Take a front row seat to the highs and lows of a life lived in the spotlight. Boy George's compelling storytelling shines a light on his encounters with legendary figures like David Bowie, Prince, and Madonna, providing an intimate peek into the music industry's glittering world. So there we go. Uh, we got a couple more here. January 30th, we've got American Hair Metal, Can't Get Enough by Stephen Blush. And there's an introduction by Chip Zenuff of Zenuff's Enough. <laughs> Do you know Zenuff's Enough? I've heard of them, yes. Yeah. So it says, we're not ashamed of a little hairspray and makeup. We've always said it takes a real man to wear makeup. Who said that, Jeremy? Uh... David Bowie. No, Brett Michaels of Poison. Damn, okay. We're thinking hair metal hair. Yeah. David. I don't think David Bowie did <laughs> metal at all. Huh? I don't well, know what he was Pat Boone did, you know, and, and uh, what was it? Christopher Lee. Yeah. Yeah, he did some metal. You know, I heard Brett Michaels, uh, they're getting the gang back together again to tour. Yeah. I'm not a big Poison fan. I'm not a huge fan yeah. either. Every Rose Has Its Thorn is like the worst song to me like next to bon jovi songs <laughs> <laughs> i just hate that song <laughs> every rose has its own well you know yeah just and like brent michaels needs to like own. really you know either get a hair transplant or take off that bandana does he sleep with that thing on <laughs> so this book has hundreds of striking photographs they're complemented by hedonistic and emphirma, is that what? Emephra. <laughs> we'll say it's uh, ephemera. Ephemera. There we go. I don't, I don't Hedonistic ephemera. Sure. There's a word. There you go. Bands like Poison, Cinderella, Motley Crue, Skid Row, Striper. All right. That's Striper why they were, were like a Christian. <laughs> That's why they were on your mind. Yeah. <laughs> And there's wild quotes from major players such as David Lee Roth, John Bon Jovi, I'm Your getting favorite. this, yeah. Sebastian Bach, love him, Tommy Lee, Nikki Six, Brett Michaels, Don Dokken, and many unsung heroes. All right. Is it Dokken or Dokken? Dokken, sorry. Don Dokken. Okay. That's okay. The expanded edition includes more photos, more quotes, and a new introduction. So this is the paperback, so it looks like it has been out a while. Yeah. And there's a new introduction by Chips Enough of Zenough's Enough. All right. Enough's Enough. And an interview with Rick Fox from Wasp and Steeler. <laughs> okay, we have two more books. We got February 6th, 
comes out the hardcover, The Story of the Bee Gees, Ooh. Children of the World by Bob Stanley. Tragedy! Sorry. <laughs> so this book is twenty nine ninety five. It's a dazzling biography of one of the best-selling bands of all time, told with brilliant insight by renowned pop music scholar Bob Stanley. The world is full of Bee Gees fans, Jeremy. Yet for a band of such renown, little is known about Barry. And I just, I always called him Maurice, but his name's Morris. Mm. Morris and Robin Gibb. Okay. People tend to have their favorite era of the Bee Gees career. Now, mine is the Saturday Night Fever, believe it or not. That was the first album. You I've mentioned it before. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but many listeners are also conscious that there is more to uncover about the band. This book will provide the perfect solution by pulling together every fascinating strand to tell the story of a group with the imagination of the Beatles, the pop craft of ABBA, the drama of Fleetwood Mac and the emotional heft of the Beach Boys. <laughs> okay. Beach Boys had a lot of heft. And I think it was all Mike Love. Yeah, for sure. Then we have... Now, I know you have never heard of this person or this band. But it, Feb, <laughs> February 13th in paperback is Mia Zapata and the Gits. Okay. A True Story of Art, Rock, and Revolution by Steve Moriarty. Now... I heard, I don't, I was really into grunge. I still like grunge, mm -hmm. but we're talking, let's see, we're talking 1993, where the Gitz singer was brutally assaulted and murdered. Oh, wow. By a stranger. They were, says they were on the verge of international rock stardom, and it was, she had a band called the Gitz. They're from Seattle. Um, Shocker. Yeah. It wasn't like Pearl Jam. and There were a ton of bands that came out of Seattle in that same time frame. Now, she became a cause for women's rights activists, outraged by the brutal killing and lack of law enforcement support. Mm -hmm. I might actually, well, once I'm through my other books, might actually read this. I'm trying to recall who, I don't know if it was Joan Jett or they were, I think, maybe on her label you know, record label wow. or something. There was cool. someone bigger involved and maybe that's why I heard of them. So that's, that's kind of a sad thing, but I don't know anything about the band or her. So this, this is a, probably a good, and I don't know if this came out before and, you know, hardcover. Right. Cause it's been a while since she, she passed away and I think they did catch the guy. Good. Okay. So that does it for our books. Get reading. <laughs> Before we go into our top 10 albums, uh, we have a top 10 vinyl album sales list that I found. Then we're going to compare the top 10 uh, albums, album lists from uh, Paste, Pitchfork, and Rolling Stone. So these are the top 10 album sales. Okay, number 10. I really don't know who this person is. <laughs> Louis Capaldi. Broken by Desire to be Heavenly Sent. Okay. Okay. Yep. Number nine, Olivia Rodrigo. Her second album, Guts. Now, this is vinyl. 
Taylor Swift. Of course. Midnight's was number eight. I love Taylor Swift. But here, here's, here's a shocking one. But it was their 50th. If you've been listening and paying attention to albums turning 50, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, okay. Was number seven. Okay. Now, this had to be like a reissue. It doesn't say 50th anniversary, but we got number six, Blur. Which I think I listened to their album. Okay. And it came up. The Ballad of Darren. Number five, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors. <laughs> Great album. But number five in vinyl sales. Was it Bill Clinton really put them <laughs> on the map with that album? Well, he yeah, he played the song, uh, you know, for his campaign. Yeah. I can't remember which song, but it was off of that album, I'm almost certain. And, like, all the, you know, <clears throat> kids thought he was hip because he was listening to Fleetwood yeah. Mac. <laughs> anyway. Number four, we have Taylor Swift. Yeah. Speak Now, Taylor's version. Okay. Number three, we got Lena Del Rey. And I've listened to this album. Did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Oh, there is? Yeah. Okay. Really. Number two, I really, I love this album. And it's it's a really old band. The Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. Hackney Diamonds. Okay. And number one, who do you think number one? Taylor Swift. Which album? Uh, the Red Album? I don't know. No. Okay. Well, the recent one. What was that called? I can't think of what <laughs> 1989. Oh, okay. Taylor's version. Yeah. Which somehow I have. I don't remember buying it, but I have it. Didn't you buy a colored one? No, I didn't buy anything. <laughs> I don't know. It just showed up here. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'll listen to this. No. You know. Yeah, I do have the aqua. You sent me a text and I just I think there were 50 laugh. different colors. Yeah. And they were all limited for like two yeah. hours. <laughs> but um, you sent me a text last week and I, I couldn't help but laugh so hard. You're like, I've been drinking. I better not go on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> I just laughed yeah, so hard. Yeah, I have a problem if I have too many beers and I start buying like the most famous thing was when I got, you know, Jeremy and I both, you collect Funkos, right? Yeah. Well, and we do a lot of pre-orders. <laughs> yeah. And we, we like to get them signed. I mean, anymore, I like to get, get them signed, mm -hmm. not just to collect them. For sure. Uh, my friend Ken has, I don't know, he's got to have 200 Funkos all stacked up. Nice. So anyway, Funko comes in. I don't even remember ordering it. <laughs> and I open it and it's the Fonz. Hey. Yeah, Henry Winkler does do some autograph stuff. So yeah, but I, I literally don't remember buying it. That one, and you had a CD show up too that you were like, oh, I don't remember ordering this. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what CD it was, but it was either Kelly Clarkson or Rick Springfield. I think it was Kelly Clarkson. It there was a female that I wanted to say Katy Perry, but I knew that was wrong. Well, you know, you pre-order these things so far in advance. Yep, and you forget what you order. Yep, you know for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I, I chuckled because I do that too. <laughs> Especially when you find a deal. It's like, oh man, look, a vinyl for four bucks. Like, how can I pass it up? Mm -hmm. of no, my not. problem is I'll go on eBay and an album I want that's probably, I'm probably paying more than I should. That's the problem. <laughs> you know? Okay, so we're going to compare the top 10 lists for Pace, Pitchfork, and Rolling Stone. We're going to start with number 10. And I think some of these. Some of these might have been on our, our random. Yeah. I'm thinking they might. Well, actually, number 10. Yeah, there we go. 
So we'll do, okay, Paste was number 10. Sophia Cortezis, uh, Madre. Don't know that one. Pitchfork had Yule, yep. which I reviewed. Yep. Soft Scars. Rolling Stone had Zach Bryan. Zach, called Zach Bryan. Isn't he a country? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> sure. Maybe he's related to Luke Bryan. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> Paste had, for number nine, Anoni and the Johnsons. <laughs> <laughs> My back was a bridge for you to cross. God. Pitchfork had the same album. All right. Might have to check that one out, Jeremy. Big on the Johnsons. Yeah. yeah. Rolling Stone had Victoria Monet, Jaguar 2. All right. I wonder how Jaguar 1 Yeah, was. I'm going to have to listen to Jaguar 1 first. <laughs> Eight Paste had Mitski, The Land in, in Inhospitable, and So Are We. Okay. That's, I'm, I'm, that's not a mispronunciation. There's a, wor <laughs> there's a word missing in there somewhere. Okay. Pitchfork had Fever Ray, Radical Romantics, and he's related to Sugar Ray. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rolling Stone had... Billy Woods. Now, Billy Woods, Jeremy, remember Billy Woods came up? Yeah. That was um, Armin Hammer. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, wasn't he's that on the rapper? Armin Hammer's album. Yeah. And we got Kenny Seagal. I don't know if he was on the album called Maps. Okay. Was that uh, Steven Seagal's kid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. We like to give out misinformation sometimes. <laughs> no, we don't. Well, seven, paste. Uh, Little Rain. Little Rain. I killed your dog. It sounds great. <laughs> Pitchfork had Amare, A-M-A-A-R-A-E, Fountain Baby. Amare. Fountain Baby. Okay. Rolling Stone had Mitski. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Yeah. The Land in Inhospitable, and so are we. <laughs> there we go. Number six, we got Paste with Julie Byrne, The Greater Wings. I think that's an album of Wings songs. Check that out. Pitchfork, we had Sufjan Stevens. That's the one I reviewed. Javelin. They had that at number six, Pitchfork. Yeah. Rolling Stone had Paramore. This is why. And I actually love that album. That album is on my top ten. <laughs> it almost made it. I had to, you know, rearrange some things. Yeah. I love that song. I, play, I played it the other day. Yeah. It's about, you know, I can't, you know, staying in the house. Mm -hmm. This is why... <laughs> I don't go out. And we got number five, Paste with Rat Boys, The Window. Okay. Pitchfork had Nourished by Time with Erotic <laughs> pro Probiotic 2. Now, one was really good, if I recall. Uh, <laughs> Rolling Stone had L Olivia Rodrigo Guts, okay. her second album. And number four, we got Carolyn... Polacek, Desire I Want to Turn Into You. I've listened to some of that. It's actually pretty good. It's kind of pop. Yeah. Poppy. Pitchfork, uh, Wednesday, you know, from the Adams Family. No. Rat Saw God. <laughs> saw, S-A-W. Rat Saw. Yeah, Rat Saw God. Okay, there we go. Three words with three letters. Nice. Mm -hmm. Rolling Stone, Little Yachty. Big fan. Let's start here. <laughs> yep. Okay, number three is Paste with McKinley Dixon. Beloved Paradise Jazz. Question mark. Not sure. Not sure on the jazz. Okay. Pitchfork had Billy Woods. 
Kenny Seagal, Steven Seagal's son, nephew, with maps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rolling Stone at Taney with data. I've actually heard of them. Okay. Taney. We're up to number two now, folks. Fasten your seatbelts, because we got pace with Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> Javelin. Jeremy's favorite. Yeah. If you didn't listen to the last podcast, go listen. That Jer- was my f- Jeremy goes... That was my favorite of the three. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was in Jeremy's random. Yep. Pitchfork, we got Carolyn Polachek. Desire, I want to turn into you. Rolling Stone has my favorite, one of my favorites, Boy Genius. Mm. The record. Jeremy, Boy Genius, you gotta gotta listen. Uh, they came up on a few results that I was... I was looking for some stuff the other day, and they popped up a few times. So did Wednesday. It's Phoebe Bridgers. Okay. And two other girls. Okay. <laughs> okay. Paste. Number one. Wednesday. There you go. I'm going to have to check out Wednesday. Rat saw God. Yeah. Hopefully it's not like that reverend. <laughs> oh, yeah. I played Jeremy. Did we talk about that? Uh, no, we didn't. Played that, that album for Jeremy. Yep. Um, reverend... Kath- Kristen Hader. Kristen Hader. Yeah. Kristen Michael Hader. Yeah. A lot of possession. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. to say the least. So both Pitchfork and Rolling Stone have the same album as number one. And I can tell you already, I'm not going to check this out. Because <laughs> it's SZA. SZA. S-O-S. Yeah. SZA number one. Coming in at number one. Okay. No Neil Young. No Iggy Pop. Where, where did they go? Where did all our, our heroes go? We have no to ask. Foo Fighters. Man. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to have our our top 10, which is going to be exciting. Because <laughs> we're going to take a break. What you'll hear is a little bit of music. So it's not like we're taking like a 30 second break. We're going to eat some pizza. Mm. It's getting cold. Yeah. But we'll be back. We are back, and we are going to tell you about our top 10 albums last year. I don't know if you want me to go first. Sure. Okay. So my number 10 is Neil Young. Before and after? Yeah. That's my number 10 as well. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I expected that we'd have some duplicates. I didn't know we were going to match on the first one, but that's, that's funny. So Neil Young... Is not young anymore, by the way. No. He's 78. Yeah. What number album is this? Oh, I have no idea. It's his 45th. Okay. He's not up there with, you know. Does that include uh, his stuff with Crosby, Stills, and Nash? No, I think this is a solo album or studio by himself. Wow. He's not up there with Willie Nelson. I always look forward, you know, to Neil, new Neil Young mm-hmm. uh, or even with Crazy Horse. The thing is, a lot of the older artists... You have to either follow them on social media or subscribe through an email list, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't even know this album. Now, when did this come out? I don't even know the date. Uh, recently. But uh, December, maybe? December 8th or something like that? My gripe, which I've 
said before, <laughs> is Apple Music, you know, not displaying and the uh, new albums on Friday. You know, they, they should know what I listen to. Right. And it should be there. Now, this one is not uh, new material. Mm-mm. And I like it because it's, it's all, it's acoustic. And it's, uh, you know, all his, we wouldn't say they're cover songs, that they're his own songs. No, but something that I noted, <clears throat> his voice sounds really good and mm-hmm. crisp in this album. And it's, to your point, because it's something that's retouched as opposed to brand new, I think, anyway. He's not as, uh, say, nasally or that, you know. Yeah. You know Neil Young, the way he sound, he has a unique voice. Mm-hmm. So we have 13 songs on here, all previously recorded. That's a mellow album. Now, I told Jeremy and Kristen, I was driving there to meet him for lunch, and I was listening to the first song, which I'm the Ocean, mm-hmm. which even with Neil, the longer songs aren't, it's not like you're dreading, you just want it to end. Right. Because he's a storyteller, you know? Yep. And he conjures up some great imagery and kind of has a soothing voice. So I'm driving down the road, listening to Neil Young, and no lie, there's a guy on the shoulder of the road on a horse <laughs> wearing a cowboy hat. He's trotting in place with the horse. There you go. I mean, I, maybe they're, it was like I was in a Neil Young video or something. <laughs> so we have, um, what did I say, 13 tracks. The album is 40, almost 48 minutes long. We have I'm the Ocean off of Mirrorball. Home Fires from Neil Young Archives, Volume 2, which I assume was a new song at the time they added. Burned from Buffalo Springfield. That one is uh, early Buffalo Springfield. Burned. Uh, On the Way Home from Last Time Around. Not sure where If You Got Love was from. Six, A Dream That Can Last uh, off of Sleeps with Angels. Birds, After the Gold Rush, My Heart off of Sleeps with Angels. When I Hold You in My Arms off of Are You Passionate, Mother Earth, off of Ragged Glory, Mr. Soul, off of Buffalo Springfield again, Comes a Time, off of Comes a Time, and Don't Forget Love, off of Barn, which is the most recent. That was 2021. Yeah. I don't really have any favorites. I didn't note. I just like the album as a whole. I don't know if you had any favorites, Jeremy. Or... Yeah, I had one. I mean, the whole album, obviously, I like, but I did enjoy, oh my God, One More Dream or something like that. A dream that can last. Yeah, a dream that can last. It was just before birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why. I just I really that was a catchy tune that okay. I enjoyed. I'm looking at the wrong thing. That's why I exited out of that when you had the same. <laughs> I closed mm-hmm. out of my notes when you had the same thing. I was like, holy crap! What are the odds? So I don't know how much more to say about it. Yeah. So I guess I'll jump to number nine then. Okay. I don't know if you like this band, but I fell in love with them from their first album, uh, Greta Van Fleet. Released mm-hmm. Starcatcher last okay. year, and for the listeners, if you've never heard of Greta Van Fleet, they sound a lot like Led Zeppelin, and I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. But they're like really young—I don't want to say kids, but they're like young guys. They're probably in their mid twenties, yeah, like twenty-six, twenty-seven. And I mean, they are like tickets to concerts are insane because mm-hmm. Rich is a big fan, and I wanted to take him. And the cheapest seats I could find were like two hundred and fifty bucks a piece. I'm like, Jesus, for, you know, for that price, I want to see ACDC or, you know, U2 or something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This album, we got a tease to it because it didn't come out until July, but they released the first single in April, which was Meeting the Master. They released their second single in May, which was Sacred the Thread. And then two more singles came out in June, Farewell for Now and The Falling Sky. So... 
you got a good taste of this album before mm-hmm. it was actually released. Yeah. Which I always like that. It brings me back to, you know, when we were younger listening to stuff on the radio, you got that, mm-hmm. that teaser song that they wanted to get out there. Yeah. Before the album came out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of bands released two or three singles like green day has released three. I think now Yes, they just released another song. Yes. I love that. I love when bands mm. do that. I yeah. hate when they just, here's an album, and you get nothing other than the day the album comes out. This was out July 21st, 2023. It debuted at number eight on the U.S. Billboard 200. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was already up there. There was four singles released, but there was 10 songs in total, 42 minutes and 47 seconds. Nothing specific from the album. The The singles, obviously, I really enjoyed, so... Mm-hmm. It was nice to already have something to kind of fall back on if you didn't enjoy it. But, you know, overall, there was top to bottom. I didn't find myself skipping any tracks. I didn't find myself, you know, dreading any tracks when they came on. So Greta Van Fleet is one of those newer bands that I've really found myself attached to. So that was And my... you wonder why they're not on, like, Rolling Stone, like, top ten. I'm surprised they don't get more but notoriety. It, but I only... We only noted the top ten, so... Yeah. They could have been number 11. There you go. <laughs> you know, they could still be in there. That's true. I've listened to them, but that's another band I can't listen to too much of. I do think he sounds a little bit like Robert Plant, but I never really got into them completely. Yeah. I have to say. I probably listened to a couple songs off the new album or when they came out. So my number nine is Miley Cyrus. Okay. Who I've grown to like over, I don't know, the last four years five it was after she got through her wrecking ball stage and got a little bit more mature a lot better songwriting i have to say more personal so it's been 10 years since the song wrecking ball barged into our memories Mm. with a naked miley riding a wrecking ball it was her first number one hit song by the way oh wow so over the last 10 years i think like i said she's matured Got all that twerking and partying out of her system. <laughs> yep. And I think she's taking music a little bit more seriously. Now, our first single off this album is Flowers, and it's her second number one hit. So it took her 10 years. Song ranked number four of top songs of 2023. And it's probably my favorite off the album. Talks about being single. Not that I can relate, but I, I, I like a good... I like a song that you feel like she's being truthful and she's being honest and you can feel sort of the emotion of when she wrote the song or what she was thinking at the time. I don't know. And it's, it's sort of also a song about learning to love yourself and who you are, because I'm a big believer in that. I think some people just don't like themselves and that's really the first step for confidence and also caring about others, I think. Yeah. Although some people do put themselves above others, or or no, they they put others above themselves, and they end up not really taking the time to care and love into their own health or you know, right, their own being. Yep. And I think Doctor Phil probably taught me that, you know, all <laughs> that. So it's it's a fun album. And it's also, it's, it's poppy, you know, just your poppy fun album. <laughs> there are some deep songs here. Uh, the song used to be young, which is actually a sad song. It's kind of ironic though, 
I mean, she reflects on her past choices and actions. Uh, she's 31. Okay. So when she's saying used to be young, it's kind of, she's a lot younger than I am. Right. She's younger than Jeremy is. Yep. I'd say someone my age could sing that song maybe without getting some laughs. I don't know. Because I'm, I'm damn old, you know, but... <laughs> So there are a couple guest appearances, uh, Sia and Brandy Carlisle. And I like Sia. And I really, I'm not a real big Brandy Carlisle fan, but I like the song she sings with her called Thousand Miles. When I wake up, <laughs> will I know I'm going to No, be? it's not that song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the song starts off with the lyrics, I'm driving around town in a beat up Mercedes. You think I'm crazy. You might be right. I don't know. It's just a good song. And some of the other songs I liked are Island and Wild Card. I love the hook in this song. Song about not being satisfied with anything or anyone. And also Jaded. Now, not all the songs on this album are great. Right. Because even though I have this at number nine, I still like the album. But I actually, I like Sia, but the song she does with her, I don't like. And also the song Handstand. Actually, the song with Sia is called Muddy, did I just say that? Muddy Feet. No, no. Handstand. The song's just all over the place. I I think maybe whoever wrote this song, because I know Miley doesn't fully write these songs. Uh, I have here maybe he's a drummer in a jazz punk band or something. Huh. Just all like <laughs> just all over. So so that's my number nine. Okay, is Miley. Uh, number eight. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if this is on your list somewhere too. Uh, Peter Gabriel. I-O, or I-slash-O is mm -hmm. the name of the album. Uh, it's his first album of new original material in over 21 years. It has 12 songs, and ironically, you know, I just talked about how I like to hear singles before the albums get released. Every single song was released as a single before the album was released. Oh, okay. Which is really weird to me. Mm-hmm. But he released one in January, one in February, one in March, April, May, June, July, two in August, one in September, one in October, one in November. The album came out in December. I'm probably guilty of my list being, you know, artists that I've always been a fan of, and now they're releasing music. So I think about that, too. So there might be some tendencies there. Where you're there. a little biased and maybe not go too much yeah. past... What your, what you're used to. Your comfort zone, yeah. Now, so Now, that album, I mean, I don't know if I should talk with you or when I get to it, because I have it at number two. Nice. <laughs> I simply love this album. Yeah. No, I mean, feel free to jump in, because I had nothing but good things mm -hmm. to say about it. Uh, every song brought me back to Genesis, in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, way back for Peter Gabriel when he was with Phil Collins and his voice is phenomenal on yes. this album. It's it has not changed. His voice is soothing to listen to. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this album is, I guess I'll talk about it because then when we get to two, I'll just you'll just tell me your two. Okay. I have here all the songs are a work of art, reflections on technology, taking over our lives, mortality. Even the court system, religion, you name it. Each song has its own message. Uh, I think it's a very inspirational, thought-provoking album. What people need to get back to with music is actually, like with Apple Music, I know I keep plugging Apple Music, but that's what I listen to. <laughs> but you can actually go on and 
read most of this, most songs you can read the lyrics. So it's kind of old school. Listen to the song and look at the lyrics. Most people, not most people, but some people will put, they might not hear exactly what the person's saying. It gives it a clear vision. Right. I think. Yep. I think this is lyrically brilliant. Like I said, there's no difference in his voice with age. He's 73. Now, this is only his 10th studio album. You know, you got Willie Nelson. He's probably got 80. 70. He has 70 some albums. Right. Oh. Now, I thought it was weird. There's three different versions of this album. I listened to the inside mix. Do you know this, Jeremy? There's also the bright side and the dark side mix. I did not know that. Now, I listened to, I compared some of the songs and I, I don't hear a difference. I really don't. Yeah. Unless, I mean, I didn't listen to, I didn't compare them side by side, listening to both. But now Brian Eno's on this. He's on about half of the songs. Now he co-founded Roxy Music. And he worked with a ton of artists like Bowie and U2, Brian Eno. So I have a couple songs that I like. Number three, Playing for Time. First of maybe two songs on the album dealing with time and getting older. And my interpretation of playing for time means we are all looking for time, more time to do things. Always looking forward and then it's then it's gone, you know. Forward to new memories that we can treasure. And Peter Gabriel said of the song, it is more of a personal song about how you assemble memories and whether we are prisoners of time or whether that is something that can actually free us. Do you have any songs that stood out? No, I liked them all, okay. to be honest with you. Um, okay. You know, this was one that I listened to it top to bottom mm -hmm. without skipping, and then I actually played it again, like, immediately. Yeah. So it was, you know, there, there wasn't anything that was like, oh, my God, I have to go right back to that song. But I definitely, as soon as I got done listening to it, I was like, I want to listen to that again because it was so powerful. And like I said, it just brought me back to Genesis almost because I, I love Genesis. I love the sound of Genesis. Yeah. I love, you know, the lyrics of Genesis mm -hmm. and it mentally, again, maybe I'm biased, but that's what it brought me to as I had listened to this soundtrack or album, not soundtrack, but I, I don't know. It just, I, I loved it top to bottom. Yeah. I like his, I like his early solo stuff too. There's one, I think it's called the prisoner or something like that, where he's, his face is melting on the album. I actually had that album. But a couple other songs on this one, uh, Road to Joy, Olive Tree, I think are the most upbeat. I mean, Road to Joy is a mostly almost a sledgehammer sounding mm -hmm. kind of song. And Olive Tree starts out slow and then goes into a steady beat. And when the chorus kicks in, I don't know if you heard this, but it the chorus seems pretty close or reminded me of the Talking Heads once in a lifetime. Same as it ever was. Yeah. It reminded me kind of that. So Much, track seven, such a heart-wrenching song, song about mortality, getting old, and the lyrics, very slow song, piano, bass, minimal guitar, and just Peter's voice, so really love that song. Love Can Heal, another beautiful song. According to Peter Gabriel, it's a dreamy, experimental piece with some abstract imagery, uh, and also... He has two Swedish backup singers on this <laughs> one. They're part of his touring band. Oh, cool. Jenny Abra Abrahamson and Leanna Olsen, who also plays the cello on this song. Okay. And Jenny actually lives in a district in Sweden called Sodermom, which I've been to. So anyway, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> personal. There you go. 
So yeah, those are the songs I liked on that. And that again, that was my number two. And Jeremy, where were we? Number seven. One. You were at seven. Yeah. What was your eight? Or was that eight? <laughs> Maybe that was eight. I'm sorry. That was eight. Okay. Okay. We'll see. My number seven is kind of an oddball mm-hmm. because it's a band that I it, they've been around for a while, but. Mm-hmm. So my number eight is Foo Fighters. Ah, that's on my list as well. Okay, I thought that would be. But here we are, June 2nd, this came out. Yep. Now this is their 11th studio album, first album since Taylor Hawkins' death on March 25th, 2022. So rumors of a new album arose in February, uh, it says 2023, when radio DJ Chris Moyles on the UK's Radio X casually mentioned a new album to be released in March. He would later apologize for speaking out of turn on the subject and refuse to clarify his comments. So he knew something and wasn't supposed to <laughs> say anything. <laughs> and then the album was later officially announced on April 19th, alongside its official title. Now, at the time of the album's announcement, a replacement for Taylor Hawkins had still not been publicly disclosed. Now, Dave Grohl played drums on all the songs. And it's the first time he gets a drumming credit on a Foo Fighters studio album since 2005. Wow. Yeah. And the band described the album as sonically channeling the naivety of Foo Fighters' 1995 album, or debut album, informed by decades of maturity and depth, lyrically exploring a Brutally honest and emotionally raw response to everything Foo Fighters have endured recently. This album is, you know, a lot of some, a lot of emotion in this album. The album is also described as the first chapter of the band's new life. Yep. And it explores uh, lyrically Dave Grohl's coming to terms with not only Hawkins' death but also his mother Virginia, who died. Uh, in 2022. First song I think I heard, I think it was the second single that was out, was Under You. I think Rescue Me was the first. Yeah. But Under You, I really love this song. There's nothing clear about who this song's written about. Right. But I have the feeling it's a combination of Taylor Hawkins and Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Now, Kurt Cobain, it's going to be 30 years this April. That he killed himself. Yep. Or Courtney Love killed. (laughs) (laughs) So the song's very upbeat, like musically, but the lyrics are very downbeat. I think some of the lyrics you can't really tie in with Taylor. For me, I think when he says over it, think I'm getting over it. There's no possible way that he's getting over Taylor's death so right. soon. Right. But it could be talking about Kurt Cobain. It's been 30 years, right? But then he follows it with, there's no getting over it. So that could be about Taylor. Right. <laughs> and then there's the chorus, someday I'll come out from under you, out from under you. And I think it has to do with Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. That he has never escaped. He can't, being linked to Nirvana, right. Kurt Cobain, 
and the weight of them being such still a huge band. You know, they weren't around that long, but they've become legendary. Right. You know, they're still loved. I mean, I, st I still love Nirvana. You know, and he just wants to be known as the guy from uh, Foo Fighters, right? <laughs> so then there's the first song, Rescued. As soon as you hear it, you know, it's the Foo Fighters. It's got that classic sound. Yep. Fast, furious, Dave screaming the verses, and then the mellow chorus. You know, I always liked that. <laughs> I was, that's a note, because this was number two for me. But okay. a note that I had is I love how they're always reinventing themselves. Yes, you, as soon as it starts, you know it's the mm -hmm. Foo Fighters. Yeah. But every song they have does not sound the identical. Same. Yeah, yeah. There's always some nuance or some, you know, different feel that they can incorporate mm -hmm. into their music. And I'm always kind of blown away by that. Yeah. And I think it's about being just overwhelmed by everything going on around you. Wanting some relief, someone to come get that weight off of you, you know. Yeah. Now, the other song I really liked is the last song called Rest. I like that song, too. <laughs> kind of reminded me of something maybe the Chili Peppers would do. Like, maybe they'd get Flea to sing it or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it, it is such a sad song. You can rest now. You'll be safe now. Life is just a game of luck. Now, what's incredible or phenomenal about this song, it's, it's, it starts out as an acoustic song. It's very somber. Mm -hmm. But at the two minute and 40 mark, it just blows up. With loud guitars, drums. Yep. yep. And it kind of scares you, you know, if you're not paying attention. No, um, it's, <laughs> it's almost like there's two songs in one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's one of, the, one of the best closing songs on an album next to the Beatles, The End, which was on Abbey Road. Mm -hmm. Now, The End on the Beatles was kind of officially the last song. There was a hidden track after it which was like 20 seconds or something but <laughs> that was your number two mm -hmm. peter gabriel was my number two yeah so what are the odds me. yeah uh so was that it for foo fighters anything else you wanted to touch on no that's all okay so number seven so this is a band they've been around for a while but i i can't say i was like a big fan or anything and I stumbled upon this album. I didn't even know this is part of a trilogy. But anyway, the uh, band is Queens of the Stone Age. Mm -hmm. And the album is In Times New Roman. And it was released June 16th, 2023. They released two singles before the album came out. Emotion Sickness and Carnivore. There's a song Paper Machete that I also really enjoyed. I found that... As I said, this was part of a trilogy. I didn't know that, so I had to go back and kind of listen to the other albums that were out before it, which was um, Villains and then Like Clockwork were the other two. And what was interesting to me is that, you know, as I was looking through reviews of this album, mm -hmm. a lot of critics were critical of them going soft, in a sense. Whereas some of the previous stuff was harder, a little edgier music. This was a little more mellow. I didn't think so, but, I mean, to each their own. I did also find it interesting. The genres listed, alternative rock, hard rock, stoner rock. Uh -huh. <laughs> Have you ever heard of stoner rock before? No. Okay, yeah, me either. Yeah. 
47 minutes and 37 seconds long. I guess you smoke a little marijuana while you listen. Yeah, I guess so. You know, Metacritic gave it an 80 out of 100, so really good score there. There's 10 songs. Only one song goes really long. It's the last song on the, the album, which is over nine minutes, and I, it's a little too long for one song over and over again. But the other nine songs I, I really enjoyed. I would say, as I said, Paper Machete really stuck out to me. That was the second song. I found myself kind of going back to that. It reminded me... I mean, I don't want to say the beat was like a razor's edge, but it kind of had that feel to it. But this is a band that like I didn't know a lot about, so now I actually want to go and check them mm-hmm. out because this is their eighth studio release. I heard of them when they first came out because they had a song that was probably on MTV. <laughs> right. And all I know is... The lead singer, guitarist, looks like he's seven foot tall. He just looks a lot <laughs> taller than the other guys. Nice. You know? Yeah. So was that for me for number okay. seven? Well, this one I know is not on your list. And it's an instrumental album. Oh, jeez. It's Jeff Coffin. And Jeff Coffin is the saxophone player for Dave Matthews. Okay. And it's called Coffin, Pearlson, Kraus. Because right. those are the three people on this album. I've been a fan of Jeff Coffin for a while, and I've, I haven't seen Dave Matthews in a long time, but I've seen Jeff Coffin. It was the caravan tour that Dave Matthews did. He only did three shows. It was a year where Dave Matthews claimed, I'm not touring this year. Well, that could never happen. <laughs> so he came up with these three-day festivals. And this one was in Atlantic City, and they had three stages, and he was the headliner each night. But during the day, afternoon, there were other bands on the other stages. And if anyone from the Dave Matthews band had another band, they performed. So Jeff Coffin performed on a small stage. I got to meet Jeff. And at the time, he he actually kind of looked like me, because I just had the little... (laughs) Scruff on my chin. Anyway, Coffin, Pierce, Pearlson, and Krauss is the brainchild of three virtuosic musical masters. Renowned saxophonist Jeff Coffin, accomplished drummer Jordan Pearlson, bass legend Victor Krauss. It's a nine-track debut of all original music. It says a thrilling sonic odyssey that showcases undeniable music Musicianship and Boundless Artistic Expression. I didn't write that, by the way. (laughs) So they started playing uh, back in 2020. They came together by chance when they met on a gig. The connection among the trio was evident instantly. And let's see. So during the pandemic, the three, they're Nashville-based musicians, all of them, formed a social pod And they made playing together a regular thing as long as they were safe to do so. So it sounds like they would actually get together. So gifted with time, the trio decided to record at Krause's home studio to officially document this special collaboration and eventually settling on seven compositions and two solo works. So this this is a great combination of what I call spastic jazz which is just improvised jazz where nothing's 
I imagine people don't write down notes for jazz. Maybe they do. I don't know. But almost like a jazz jam session. We also have smooth jazz and also what I call somber jazz. So there's, you know, slow stuff, um, just stuff where the Jeff's just going off on a saxophone, just whatever. So, but it's not, it's not annoying. It's, it's really good. <laughs> good. Maybe some of our listeners don't even listen to jazz. I think this is a good starter album because some jazz can be a little too much as we've talked about, um, talked about a lot about jazz on this and the last <laughs> yes, one. But. Yes, we have. But Jeff does go off in different directions on some of the songs. Maybe they start out slow, but somewhere in the middle or end, he does some improvisation and lets the sax do the talking. So, now three of my favorites are the first track on the precipice of change. Now this this one's sort of uh, repetitive, but it's actually pretty good. Track three has a bass riff, which I also learned that a riff can be is also called a ostinato which is repeated notes. Mm. I've never heard that before. Now, this song will also remind you of the Peanuts theme song. Oh, yeah? Reminded me of. Okay. Track seven, very somber song called Overcast, which I, that's the proper name. So overall, I give this, uh, I'd say a seven or eight out of ten. Okay. I mean, it's not the greatest jazz album, because I listen to a lot of jazz. Yeah. My favorite is Miles Davis of, of like all time and John Coltrane, like those. But so I'd say I give this good seven out of ten. Okay. On that one. Number six, you might yell at me. Because <laughs> this, this one's kind of cheating a little bit, but. Well, I, I know Bon Jovi didn't have a new album out. <laughs> nope. No. Okay. It's not Bon Jovi. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I did U2 Songs of Surrender. Okay. Which is... Oh, uh, the re... Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, they re-recorded all of their original music, basically. However, a lot of it they adapted into acoustic versions. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely <laughs> different. And enjoy... I, we've talked about how much we both love you 2 But to hear some of my favorite songs in a new way, it, it was a relief, in a sense... Weren't there 40 songs on there? There was, yes. There's, I think, four yeah. different albums. Okay. But even, you know, hearing, like, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb again, you mm -hmm. know, just some of that stuff that, for for me, there's so much U2 on my playlist that I don't always hear a lot of the music. Yeah. You know, as much as I would like to. So, to just put this on... And be able to listen to everything and not have to skip a song because it's just my one of my all-time favorite bands. Mm -hmm. Reinventing the wheel, you know, doing, create, recreating something that was original and putting a little twist on it. Mm -hmm. It just, yeah, it, I don't know, it brought me back <laughs> to whatever, high school or whatever it may be. But I love you too. Sometimes acoustic music for me is a, is a total dud. Mm -hmm. I, I can't get into it. Okay. But I think because I knew all of this music ahead of time, mm -hmm. I, I didn't care. It just, yeah. It was still great to listen to. I mean, some people didn't like it because they want a new album. Right. Or people that don't like you too are like, oh, they're just redoing their old songs. And, right. You know. Yep. I mean, hopefully we get a new album. Hopefully soon, we get a tour. By the end of the year. 
Maybe they, I think they like to put out albums in October, November. I mean, they have an album called October. But, yeah. Um, this one came out in March. Oh. For what it's worth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe end of the year and then next year tour. There you go. Yeah. That'd be nice. So what are we on, six? Yep. This person I've liked a long time for, let's say, it's going almost on 22 years. Kelly Clarkson. Oh, okay. This Not is what I was expecting you to kind say. Of a, kind of an overlooked album, and I think it's like one of her, I think it's one of her best albums. It's called Chemistry. Now, believe it or not, um, she made her debut, of course, on the first American Idol back in 1944. Jeremy's shaking his head. <laughs> uh, in 2002. Uh, now, this is her 10th studio album. So, same as Peter Gabriel, right? 10th. Now, this was written about her relationship with Brandon Blackstock. She married him in 2013. They got divorced in 2020. Now, she met him in 2006. He became her manager. And he's also... Who is his stepmother, Jeremy? Not a clue. <laughs> Reba McIntyre. No way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, now this, this whole album is... It's so personal. If I were him, I wouldn't listen to this album. You know, good and bad. But So, the album illustrates the arc of an entire relationship. Showing every emotion you experience from beginning to end related to the end of her marriage. And I think it's the most personal album she's ever recorded. I know she has songwriters. And I know she probably co-writes with some people. But I, I really feel this is her album. This is her talking. More so than anything else she's done. So I'll go through a couple songs. Song Me, M-E. Classic Kelly Clark, so she starts slow, almost like Foo Fighters, then bursts through the speakers at like her higher range and a chorus of backup singers. Down to You is just a great revenge song. Lyrics are, I can't dance with the devil on my back. I assume the devil's her ex. It must be cold in your veins. And then you can't, you can't bring me down to you. Now, there's one song he could probably listen to called I Hate Love. Now, this song, there is a special musician comedian, Jeremy, oh. on this track. Weird Al? No, that okay. would be weird. <laughs> but this is still weird. He's playing banjo. It's Steve Martin. Okay. Steve Martin and Kelly Clarkson. All right. And there's a funny line in the song. You can take Gosling, like Ryan Gosling. Yeah. I'll take Steve Martin. Okay. <laughs> So maybe her ex was, like, into Ryan Gosling. Maybe. Or she's just singing, a, you know, hypothetically, you know, to, to a, another woman. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so I think her voice is, like, better than ever on this album. Uh, I mean, there's some depressing songs on the album when you really get into the lyrics and the meaning, uh, but also some fun songs, uh, like the one I just mentioned. So that's my number six. Okay. Number five. I have Alice Cooper, Road. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> 22nd solo and 29th overall. Uh, came out August 25th of 2023. It was recorded 
while he was touring with guitarists Nita Strauss, yeah. Ryan Roxy, and Tommy Henriksen. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know if I just listened to this album a lot or if we heard some of these songs when we saw him. Mm-hmm. Because I really loved Welcome to the Show, and I feel like he performed that, but I could be wrong. I also feel like he performed Dead Don't Dance, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that song. Again, I might just be... They might I may... sound similar to other... <laughs> yeah. He also did a um, a version of Baby Please Don't Go, which I really loved. And then they covered Magic Bus, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite Who songs. Yeah. So, yeah. and again, I'm guilty, I'm biased, I really like Alice Cooper, but I feel like Alice, each album that he puts out is just better and mm-hmm. better we liked songs from detroit which i think was last year's album detroit stories i think it was there you go detroit stories but i think those were cover songs right i liked the album better than the the new one the road oh did you yeah okay now see i like the road better, i didn't like but... well i don't like the song the title song for some reason which was the i am alice yeah, I am Alice. Okay. I did not like... I I'm know. not a huge fan of that song either. Yeah. I, I didn't even mention it initially. Because that was the first single, I think. It was. And video. White Line and like, I hope the album gets better than... Yeah. White Line Frankenstein was the second single, which okay. I'm also not a huge fan of. Yeah. But I love Dead Don't Dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember lo- that one. I love Welcome to the Show. And like I said, the Baby Please Don't Go and Magic Bus, I believe they're covers, but... Well, I know Magic Bus is. But those two... I really, really enjoyed, and it just, I don't know, Alice Cooper doesn't seem to be getting any worse with age. He seems to be getting better with age. Yeah. As far, we've seen him live, the performances are always strong. Yeah, his voice sounds the his same. His voice always sounds great. I, I, I realize studio can cover up some stuff, mm-hmm. but I can put myself in the audience because we've seen him each of the last two years, Yeah, and he doesn't need the studio. Did you just meet Alice? Up. In person? I did. Yeah. Yes, at Monster Mania. That was in October. Mm-hmm. Awesome experience. So that was my number five. I, I always liked his voice, and he doesn't have a great vocal range. I think a lot of singers, when they're younger, like Kelly Clarkson, when she's like 80, is she going to be able to hit those high notes? That, right. That's the thing. Right. I mean, look at Axl Rose, which I think is a forced voice. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't talk like that. I mean, Alice kind of sounds like... Kind of like he talks a little bit. You know what I'm saying? If you overextend your voice when you're younger, yeah. and that's how you sing. He doesn't push not, it. Like Vince Neil. Yeah. You know? Yep. He just can't can't sound like that. No. You know? Steven Tyler is another one. Yeah. So what are we on, number five? Yeah. So this one's a blues album. Okay. I thought I'd mix it up, you know? Yeah. Joe Bonamassa. Oh, I like him. Yeah. Blues Deluxe Volume 2. Now, believe it or not, I mean, I love blues music, too. B.B. King, Buddy Guy. I never really got into Joe, but I started following him probably a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never really heard a lot of his songs. So now now I'd say I'm a Joe Bonamassa fan. I have to go back and listen to some of his, you know, other stuff. I, I, I always had this feeling about Joe Bonamassa. He always looked to me like he was, it's hard to say, like without really knowing his music, but that he was trying too much to be, to be that blues guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like even John Mayer has grown on me. You know, he didn't start out blues, but now he is. Right. 
Joe Bonamassa uh, now rivals Rick Nelson from Cheap Trick as mm -hmm. far as how many guitars he owns. Wow. Now, Rick collects rare and unique guitars, right? Specially made guitars. Right. But I think Joe has a sickness. Like I said, I've been following him for mm -hmm. a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. And he just collects. Okay. He has duplicate guitars. Now I'm talking same guitar, like say it's a Fender right. or Gibson. Same exact guitar, same exact color. Oh, wow. Like, why do you need more than one? And he has, get this, 500 amps. He posted the uh, other day a video of this room. And there's like amp after amp. And they got bigger and big, like... Maybe he's trying to do a show like The Who and go out with a bang. There were huge Marshall, probably as at least as high as this room. Wow. I'm serious. Uh, unless they were stacked on top of other ones, but... Interesting. I mean, I could see needing like 20 amps, 10 amps like as backup. You know, when you're on the road mm -hmm. and one blows out or something. You know, if he ever gives away any guitars, I'll take a couple. So I, only, <laughs> I only have three guitars. There you go. Okay, so the album, back to the album, is called Blues Deluxe Volume 2. Why is it number two? Well, 20 years ago, he released Volume 1, oh. which was just his third album. This is his 16th album. Now, I think the album is just simply beautiful. If you're not a blues music person... Just like with Jeff Coff Coffin, you, this should be your introduction into blues, you know, along with, um, you know, people like B.B. King, Buddy Guy, Bobby Bland. First track on this is Bobby Bland song, 24-Hour Blues. Track four, fun song called I Want to Shout About It. It's by Ronnie Earl and the Broadcasters. And these are all cover tunes. And Joe has done... He does a couple cover tunes on his own. He writes his own, you know, music on his other ones. But these are all covers. I think there might be one or two his original on this one. Now, this has a... Who we're actually going to see soon. And we'll bring it up. Southside Johnny. Feel, or maybe the Fabulous Thunderbirds. It has that kind of feel to it. And Ronnie... Ronnie Earl actually toured with them. So that makes sense. Um, they're all in that same kind of category. So yeah, we're, we, we got tickets to see Southside Johnny at the Stone Pony for the 50th anniversary show. And, uh, we're hoping that, you know, someone shows up, not Bon Jovi, but <laughs> the other guy from New Jersey. And then we have track seven, which is actually a very old Fleetwood Mac song. And it's so old that it's when Fleetwood Mac were a blues band. Oh, wow. Led by Peter Green. It's a song called Lazy Poker Blues. It's from Fleetwood Mac's second album. Do you like blues music? Some, yes. Okay. This you should give a listen because it's interesting because it's Fleetwood Mac, but it's, it's before Christy McVeigh, before okay. Stevie Nicks, Lindsey oh, okay. Buckingham. But it's Mick Fleetwood. Right. But it's from 1968. Wow. It's called Mr. Wonderful, the album. Okay. So that's, that song's off of that. And Joe has a great blues voice. I didn't even know, you know, 
I might have listened to him sooner, but, you know, first impressions, I shouldn't have, like, you know, whenever I saw saw him or what he looked like, <laughs> I should have given him a listen, so. Yeah. So that was my number five. All right. <clears throat> number four. This is the one you said just barely missed your top ten list. Paramore. Mm-hmm. This is why. It is their sixth studio album, and Paramore, actually, this was their first album in four years, six years. Okay. Paramore is listed as, like, a punk, pop, alternative rock band, but they, to me, just bring it. They Mm -hmm. they are powerful. Their lead singer has a voice that is, you know, unbelievable. Evanescence is mm-hmm. something that kind of, to me, is a comparison. Uh, the first single that was released was This Is Why, which I loved that single. So it was one of those that, okay, you know, they got they got me with the hook. Yeah. With the, you know, dun, the dun, tease. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll give this album a shot. And holy crap, man, this album, I think there was only one song that I wasn't a big fan of which was Big Man, Little Dignity. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I loved You First. I loved Figure Eight. I loved Thick Skull. Uh, Running Out of Time was a good uh, good song. The album is only 36 minutes, too, so it's an easy listen. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not too hard. Like, it's not a hard rock, heavy metal, but it's harder than a classic rock or, you know, like, a, I don't know, Blink-182 is coming up on my list. It's harder than that. And it's, it's just, it's enjoyable. Yeah, they're kind of edgy. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not over the top. They're not, you know, they don't have to curse to get their point across. Mm -hmm. It's just good, loud music that isn't over the top. This actually, I I know I have it here at four, but this was like on the verge of, I could have easily moved it up a couple of spots. Mm -hmm. And it's probably once again my bias, because I'm not a big paramore fan by any yeah. stretch of the imagination no, i'm not either and i like that album like, yeah i decided to give it a listen and it was just it's one mm-hmm. of those that i actually went out and bought the album i enjoyed oh, okay. it so much <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep it in my you know my vehicle that does play cds yeah because my newer car does not but mm-hmm. yeah no i um i don't know what else there really was to say this came out in february it's actually hard to believe it was that long ago because I've still listened to it recently and feel like it still holds up even nearly a year later. I just heard that they wiped their Insta- their social media. Really? Yeah, just recently, and nobody knows why, and they're saying, I hope they're not breaking up or they're... Wow, that would be a disappointment. Or they're starting out, maybe they got something new coming out. I don't right, know. Right, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's what I... Well, that's that sucks. I haven't heard about them, you know, until recently. <laughs> like I say, I just stumbled upon these yeah. guys like within this last year, mm-hmm. really. I mean, I've heard of them, yeah, but I didn't listen to them religiously. I don't know what their next album's going to be, but I would listen to it just. They've been be- around a while because of this. Yeah. yeah, they've released six studio albums. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Paramore. This is why my number four. Yeah. So my number four is. A fairly new band called Boy Genius. <laughs> and it's called The The Record. Released March 31st. 
And this album peaked at number four in the U.S. And this is a super group of moody girls. <laughs> yeah. Now, our listeners may know the name Phoebe Bridgers. I'd say she's the most famous. She is the most famous of the three. There's three girls. Two other girls. Uh, you may have heard me mention before Lucy Dacus. I've mentioned her at least once. I think when her album came out. Richmond, Virginia, she's from. And Julian Baker, Germantown, Tennessee. And Phoebe is from California. So you have California, Virginia, Tennessee. Now, I truly believe, with the exception of. Uh, the first song on this album could have been a Phoebe Bridgers album. Even though I, I think some of the songs are written by some of the other girls, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this is their second album, but it's their first full length. They did put out an EP in 2018. But somehow this got a lot of attention. I remember they were on uh, Saturday Night Live. And when I mentioned them, like, nobody, nobody's heard of them. It's weird. And, but you know what? Nobody heard of Billie Eilish at all. And I'm right. like, you need to check her out. You need to, you know. Yep. <laughs> you know. So Bridgers called the formation of the group kind of an accident. Uh, each of the members became fan fans of each other's work and then became friends. Uh, both Dacus and Bridgers had opened for Julian Baker on separate tours in uh, 2016. So they all ran in similar circles. Uh, they were... Young up and coming performers navigating the indie scene. So the three became close and shared their frustrations of constantly being compared to each other as women in rock, despite their considerably different musical styles. So I don't know if they'd like me calling them a moody girl supergroup. <laughs> so Dacus has commented the idea of women in music should not be remarkable whatsoever. Bridgers added, it's not a genre. So each has spoken on the tendency of music industry to pit women against each other. And the group was formed in part to reject this idea. And they said, I hope people see the three of us and know there isn't competition. You don't have to compete with your contemporaries. You can make something good with people you admire. So let's talk about the album. It's called The Record. Uh, the album is up for five Grammy Awards. Now, Phoebe has been nominated four times, but she did not win. That was in 2020. Now, the album starts out with a acapella song. <laughs> so you get to hear each of the girls' voices as they are without being enhanced. And probably a good introduction to the band. Although they're all singing together. Okay, so here's some, some of the songs that I enjoyed. Are number three, Emily, I'm Sorry. It's Phoebe Bridgers singing this one. Now, the first two songs are... Let's see. Before we get into the third song. The first song, you have all three of them singing. And the second one is Julian Baker. But... It's weird with Phoebe Bridgers. I think she has to double up her voice or something. I don't know. It it doesn't sound as raw as the other two girls' voices for some reason. Interesting. Especially on this song. So then we have number five is Cool About It. 
and you have all three of them. And I like this song because it's it's a song where they all switch vocals. And there are a couple songs on this album where, you know, one sings first, then the second one sings the second verses, and the third sings the third, you know, which is kind of rare, you know, in a band. Wake up, Jeremy. <laughs> Sorry. It's kind of rare in a band where all, like, you have three different people doing three different verses in one song. Um, that is all, that is uh, odd. Yeah. I really like this song because it, and they also in the liner notes, they thank Paul Simon for his inspiration. And it does sound similar to The Boxer. I love that song. Yeah. You can hear it kind of go into that, but then go at different, different notes. But you can kind of hear they use some of the same, okay, you know, melody. Now, number six, that's my favorite song, Not Strong Enough. Reminds me, I've mentioned before, Throwing Muses, The Sundays, that type of 80s alternative. Just an incredible song where they, again, switch vocals. You got, let's see, least favorite song is Revolution Zero. I don't know. The song just rambles on a little bit. And I'm kind of surprised because Phoebe Bridgers is singing this. But she kind of mumbles on this. I I don't know. I just, this song is not good. (laughs) Number eight is Leonard Cohen. Decent song. I like the lyrics, especially the line, I might like you less now that you know me so well. So here's a person she may be told too much to. And now she doesn't like him as much because he knows too much about her. Number nine, Satanist. That's a good song. Good driving guitar riff. Upbeat. And the last song is Letter to an Old Poet, which could very well out of any of these songs be on a Phoebe Bridgers album. I get the feeling that the songs where one sang and the others didn't, I get the feeling they might have wrote that song because they're all songwriters. Okay. I think the songs where all three of them sang, maybe they collaborated on. I don't know. I'm not sure on that one. So I looked at the one last thing here. This is a set list from September. And it looks like they performed every song on this album. Hmm, Cool. (laughs) And also others, I think there's a break in the show where Lucy does one of her songs, Julian does one of hers, and Phoebe does one of her songs from their solo albums. So that was my, what was that, number four? Yep. That was my number four. All right. Number three. We have tickets to see this group. In May. Mammoth? Yep. Okay. Mammoth 2. <laughs> Second studio album that was released by Mammoth Wolfgang Van Halen. Of course, son of the late, great Eddie Van Halen. Uh, as was the same in the first album, he did all the writing, vocals, instruments, everything like that. For the longest time, I think it was Apple, only had another celebration at the end of the world and I'm alright to listen to. And I listened to those so, so many times that I actually skipped them mm-hmm. by the time I got the album. Yeah. They're good songs, but I just had kind of gotten over them. Now, there is 10 songs on the album, 48 minutes long. It's kind of a continuation of the first album. Have you heard the second one or no? Yeah. Okay. I probably listened to it once. Okay. So, interestingly enough, I, I did have a little additional information on mm-hmm. this one. 
So Wolfgang started working on this in September of 2022. When starting up these sessions, it was difficult for him because it was the first time that his father wasn't around to jam with him. Because even though the first album didn't release until 2021, they actually completed it in 2018, most of the songs. Okay. So his dad was always with him. And this was kind of the first time that his dad wasn't there. But because he already had a feel for the music that they produced, he kind of stuck with that. What I found most interesting, many of the songs are themed around his grief around his dad in the second album. Oh, wow. He said, people think in the first album that I was mourning my dad with some of the songs. Yeah. He said, but it wasn't true because they had worked on them together before his passing. Yeah, he was still around when... (laughs) Yeah. So the second album is a lot more of mourning his father and continuing the sound that they had already created in, you know, Mammoth One, but then incorporating some of those emotions and feelings into the Mm -hmm. music of number two. So I thought that was really interesting. I fell in love with Wolfgang Van Halen immediately after the first album came out. I put it on, I played it. I couldn't even tell hundreds of times easily in the car. And we went to see him live and blown away. And I, I was a fan from that first album, but then when he put on a good performance live, I was locked in hook, line and sinker. We're going to see him again right around my birthday, actually. Um, I can't wait. But as soon as this album came out, I had to have it. And I've played this one several times as well because it's just top to bottom. Yeah, I, I got to listen it. more to that one. I think I only listened once. Yeah. And maybe nah. read the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. I, and hopefully, you know, when we saw him, he only had the one album out. So he played mm-hmm. all of his songs from that album. But hopefully they'll incorporate both this time, oh, yeah. I yeah. would think. I'm hoping they don't just play all of the second album because I'd still like to hear some stuff from the first one yeah. too. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to mm-hmm. complain either way, but looking forward to that. And this album, it was number three on my list. Tough to, that was the furthest I could put it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted to put it higher, but I really loved the Foo Fighters album that we already covered. Yeah. And then my number one album I'll get into, Okay. you know, when we get there. But Yeah, because we covered two. Correct. Okay, so my number three is, this is probably someone you haven't heard of, Meg Myers. Mm-hmm. She's been around a while. Name sounds familiar, but I don't know. This album, uh, Tzia, T-Z-I-A, came out March 24th. Now, the first time I ever heard of Meg Myers was back in 2015. She had a song called Lemon Eyes. <laughs> and the video, I remember watching the video a lot. The video is her, there's a trailer. She's living in a trailer home. Like, looks out on the desert. Might be one of those, like, small trailers. Okay. That you could hook a, hook a truck up to. Mm. Okay. There's a swing set outside. The song hooked me, and she did, because she's singing. It's a weird song, but as she's in the trailer, and she walks past, like, the kitchen area, and there's a, there's a guy... Like, crouched up on the counter, like, tied up. <laughs> Which you think maybe is her ex-boyfriend or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but her songs were kind of... I think she had a song called Monster. But she looked like this sweet girl. Mm-hmm. But the lyrics, it was like, there's something going on here. So, here we are in 2000... 
Well, this is from 2023, last year. So she's also changed her look drastically since then. She looked kind of like Mila Kunis at one point, but she stopped drinking alcohol. And not that she was overweight, but she lost a lot of weight. She cut her hair. Her hair's like, her hair used to be dark brown, black, and now it's like white with gray. And, you know, she just changed her look drastically. Uh, more edgy. Yeah. Staying fresh. Sure, she's a sweet girl in person. But this album is kick ass. It's so different from what she was recording in 2015. And I have here, it's pretty much Halsey on speed. Oh. Like, these songs are intense. They're not, but not like heavy metal. Her voice is like really dramatic. But I don't, I don't really don't think anyone can mimic her voice. And it's not just pop music. It's it's got like an industrial like edginess to it, but also like like beats like you know good like I wouldn't even say dance. It's hard to describe. I have here it's musically verging on like nine inch nails, but wow, maybe dance nine inch nails or something. Okay, but her voice is combination Halsey, Kate Bush, and Sinead O'Connor. Okay, some songs to check out are A New Society. Now, her voice, kind of an evil tint to it on this one, like an evil Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> Song starts out slow, goes into like a Nine Inch Nails kind of driving, like bass, drum beat. And it's kind of a political song, reimagining of the world, more loving world, nonviolent. But I think maybe she's talking about, at this point, living on another planet, because, you know, I don't think that's possible. I mean, Jeremy, when you say we're pretty much doomed at this point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I actually have that down here to ask you that. Oh, nice. So then we have four number uh, track four, Me. I think that was a Kelly Clarkson song too, wasn't it? Me. That song's for me. <laughs> that what you said? For me? Me. That song for me. Track four. <laughs> Another intense song. Most Sinead sound, like, who can sound like Sinead O'Connor? But Sinead I'm telling O'Connor. you, this girl, like... Cause she kind of wails. She like, I don't, and on it, I don't think she's trying to sound like her. You know, she just sounds like her. I, I think it'd be great if she put out an album, Sinead O'Connor songs. <laughs> but at times she also sounds like Kate Bush. And ironically, she did a cover of running up that hill. And it was a year or so before the stranger things made yeah. it famous again. Okay. Cause I remember I've been a fan of hers a long time. So I saw, I kept seeing her post that song, mm-hmm. really good version. So this song, um, sort of a gritty fuzz box sounding guitar, pounding beat. And then I love after the first set of verses, she just, she just does a, a thing. She goes, she just goes, Ow! not like that, but sounds better <laughs> than that. Michael Jackson. And then the music stops and then starts. The song is just very well put together. Then the last song I liked was Mirror. And this song actually reminds me of Live, Lightning Crashes. Ooh, I like that song. But I'm sure those chords have been used a lot. Yeah. And this song has great melody and hook to it. But th- this album is intense. So check it out, Meg Myers, T-Z-I-A. Okay. We both covered our number twos. So we are on number one. Woohoo! The top of the top of 2023. 
It better not be Taylor Swift. It is not Taylor Swift. Okay. <clears throat> um, I teased it earlier when I was talking about Paramore. Okay. Uh, number one album for me, and this was probably a combination of excitement, anticipation, and... Is it Evanescence? What is this going to be? No, it's not Evanescence. Evanescence. <laughs> um, it is Blink-182. Oh, okay. Who got back together mm -hmm. uh, once their drummer basically was uh, was fighting cancer. They were able to work out their issues. Okay. And I think I remember. Reunite. Their ninth studio album, first in years. It marks the return of Tom DeLonge, who is the guitarist, vocalist. He departed the band in 2015. He was started up his own company, but he also performed with a group called Angels and Airwaves. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. I listened yeah. to some of their music. Uh, he's got a very distinct voice. But anyway, this album was recorded over the span of seven months. So they definitely took their time to put something out there mm -hmm. that wasn't just, you know, quickly thrown together. Uh, lyrically, a lot of their stuff, much like, you know, back when I was a teenager, talks about relationships and, you know, maturation, as well as their own history and Hoppus's battle with cancer, the drummer. Mm -hmm. So they put out something that, you know, was relatable to all of us who remembered from back in the day, but also incorporated some new one More Time became the band's third number one album on the Billboard 200 in the U.S. It uh, reached the top five in a dozen other countries. Of its six pre-release pre singles, both Edging and the title track were top hits on the alternative airplay charts. Title track was, I believe, Dance With Me. It was just, there's 17 songs, it's only 44 minutes long. Blink-182 was notorious for, like, three-minute songs mm -hmm. when they, you know, all the small things was the yeah. big one that yeah. was out there, you know, way back when. But it just, it was so nice to see such a popular alternative band, rock, punk, kind of get back together, put their differences to the side, and be able to, you know, produce new material. Kind of reminded me of The Police. I wasn't old enough then to kind of understand some of those band issues but yeah. i know they tried to get back together and they couldn't even they yeah. couldn't even do it yeah <laughs> whereas blink 182 they they not only put out the album but they did a full year tour too they didn't you know mm -hmm. rip each other's heads off i didn't make it to any of the shows unfortunately but everybody that i know who went and i've i've had at least dozens of friends that went everybody said they were phenomenal mm -hmm. so if they tour again i will definitely make sure to get out there and see them you know, but this CD hit close to home for me because it just it brought me back to those all the small things, Adam song, you know, rock show, any of that stuff that I, I loved Blink-182 all throughout high school. Okay. So this was definitely one of those way, way too long in the making, but needed type yeah. albums, if that makes sense. So this this was easily my number one. It was the first one I put on my list. <laughs> So my number one is probably someone not many people have heard of. <laughs> never. I think he has a couple albums out, but I never heard of him until recently. And his name is Hamish Hawk. Ha Hamish Hawk. Yes. Okay. Came out February 3rd 
I'm not sure how I came across this artist, but recently I basically listened to the entire album driving from work to the UPS store one night. The album's 43 minutes long. Now, there was an accident, so the UPS store is really not that far <laughs> from me. But there was an accident, so I was sitting in traffic. Probably took me an hour when it should have taken me 30 minutes to get there. But as soon as I heard the first song, I was hooked. Because I'm, I'm a fan of a lot of genres of music. But one I really love is just that 80s sound that... I wouldn't even say this is new wave, but more even kind of like the Smiths. And it just sounds 80s, this, this whole album. Mm-hmm. The guy is from... Uh, I think the guy's from Scotland. I, I love his voice. Yeah, he's from Scotland. Okay, here we go. <laughs> My notes. It also reminded me, there's an obscure band from the 80s called Camouflage. Okay. He also sounds like Marcy on some of these songs. The lyrics are, are really good, though. They're strange, thought-provoking. And he also reminded me a little bit of a guy named Robin Hitchcock. He was from the 80s, English singer. Alfred Hitchcock? Robin. <laughs> Sorry. And he would have the strangest song, strangest, like one song that really was big on MTV, like mostly... Video killed the... Like 120 Minutes song. show, which they would play the more obscure songs, but he had a song called Balloon Man. Okay. First song is um, Once Upon an Acid Glance. <laughs> Okay. Oh, right. Is this considered stoner rock? Acid rock? I think that's the name of the album. I don't know why I don't have the name of the album here. Okay. This is one of the lyrics from this song. Walking in the shadow of a drawling pin, in a raincoat, on a Monday, etc., mocking all my hockney ephemera. <laughs> the second time I've heard you say that word. Okay. I still don't know what it means. <laughs> so it sounds like he comes off kind of pompous, you know, with the lyrics. But once you get into the song, I don't know. It's really a lot of words put together. I don't even know if they have any meaning. <laughs> okay. You can interpret it any way you want. Yep. And he even has a song about Elvis. Okay. Elvis Lookalike Shadows. And this sounds like a Smith, Smith song. The vocals, the music. Now, here are some of the lyrics. I saw the King of Kings, you know. He was looking at me. I don't know what he was thinking, but I think I saw him winking at me. <laughs> I like he's thinking of me. He was risen from the tomb. We're drinking in the jungle room. It's just him and me. Don't know what I've been drinking, but I swear I saw him winking. Nice. Yeah. Did, do they rhyme like winking and drinking? Or does it actually... Yeah, but it's drawn it's... out. <laughs> you know, so it's not like, like I said it. But, okay. Yeah. But I, I couldn't find a bad song on the album. I don't know why this album, I really don't know why this album isn't on, like, other lists, or in the top ten. I'm serious, it's that good. What is it again? <laughs> Hamish Hawk. Hamish Hawk. Okay. <laughs> and it's, um... I gotta, I gotta check this one out. If, if you got it at number one, I gotta give it a listen. <laughs> you probably won't like it. <laughs> So a couple other songs, Rest and Veneers. There's a girl singing on this song with him called Samantha Crane. It's, it's a really sweet sounding song with him and her singing back and forth together. Angel Numbers, great visual lyrics. 
Now I did I did check out this Samantha Crane because I'm like, oh, this song I really like this song. I like the way I like her voice. <laughs> and I found the song. I don't even know if I could find more than one song by her, but it was a version of Time After Time by Cindy Lauper, and it was okay. awful. Okay. So that's all I have to go on by her. So that's my number one. Okay. And I think that does it. That does it. So everyone, thanks for listening to our top 10 from last year. And hopefully there'll be, you know, some good music this year. But we'll be telling you about, if you want to email us, uh, we're at nogoodmusicpodcast at gmail.com. And also check out Jeremy's podcast, HorrorCon Lounge. Yes. Horror movies, talk about horror conventions, interviews. I try to talk about music, too, when I can Mm -hmm. on there. Yeah, we both mention each other on each other, so. But if you're in the horror movies, autograph shows, check it out. And they also have some really good interviews with some people from the horror genre. So. So remember, folks, turn off that TV. And turn up the music. You've been listening to No Good Music, intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show is produced and edited by Rob J. Lilly and recorded at the Did You Say 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. 